0: Okay. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining for our latest edition of Maurice's Monthly Podcast. I'm Morgan Harper. And, Maurice, you're here, too.
1: I am. <laughs> it's nice to be here with <laughs> thanks you. Thanks for thank coming. <laughs>
0: um, we also have a special guest today, Helene Kaloyer. Helene, our director of the New York State Housing Stabilization Fund Program at LISC. Thanks for coming as well.
2: Oh, thank you, Morgan, for inviting me.
0: So... To kick things off, and before, Helene, we get to you and talking a little bit more about uh, the Stabilization Fund program, Maurice, you know, this year marks the 10th anniversary of the Lehman Brothers collapse during the financial crisis. And, you know, to contextualize things, what what do you think we've learned as a country from that period and and how have things improved or not? Mm.
1: So I hope that what we have learned includes the following we have to always be thinking about the combination of systems and people we we You can sometimes get seduced into thinking that all you have to do is to develop the a foolproof system and things will work splendidly. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is there is no system that can compensate for bad behavior. And honestly, what we had during the crisis was a lot of bad behavior, and it was across the board.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so we need to – that's a thats a huge lesson for us always to remember. The second piece, uh, though, is to think about – where we are now vis-a-vis where we were in 2008 and 9 and 10. And the bottom line is the country is resilient, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other thing that, uh, that this crisis has taught us. We've bounced back as a country. We're now producing jobs. We've probably now generated in most states more jobs than we lost during the recession, Mm -hmm. However, and this is what I think we're going to talk about a little bit today, the question isn't whether you're growing jobs alone, it's how you're growing them, how equitably distributed are the opportunities. And there, I think what the crisis showed us, what we should have learned, was that we have people in communities that are far more vulnerable than others and the, and the challenge for us as a country is what we're doing to make the vulnerable places and people resilient. Mm-hmm. That those should be, in my mind, the lessons that we should all be embracing. This is what Lisk, as an organization, is about. It's about making the vulnerable people and places resilient, and making the kinds of strategic investments that prepare them for the good seasons and the bad seasons.
0: Well, in one area of vulnerability in particular that I think the financial crisis exposed that we all saw was the wave of foreclosures and and where we're connecting with Helene here today. So, you know, at the height, over 2 million foreclosed properties across the country, zombie vacant properties as a result. So, um, and that's where we want to spend some time talking because, yeah, how do you take advantage of a job when you have communities that are under distress? Um, So... To to start from a definitional place, so uh, the zombie vacant properties; those are terms thrown around a lot. What exactly do we mean when we say zombie vacant property, and and what is the distinction? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll tell you what I have in mind, and Helene can okay. can correct me if I uh, don't have this right. But for me, uh, the zombie properties are vacant properties. Uh, vacant properties that have been abandoned because they're somehow stuck in the foreclosure process, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're in this never-never land of it's not clear who owns, either legally or, more importantly, who is taking ownership to keep these properties um, maintained and to keep their values where they need to be and growing Zombie properties are those kinds of vacant properties. Vacant properties in general are, are properties that have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Zombie is even worse, right? It's, it's properties that are abandoned because they're stuck somewhere in the foreclosure process. No one is really taking care of maintaining them. They are depreciating in value, and they're having adverse impact on the values of the neighborhood within which they
0: reside. Helene, fact check. Yeah, that's
2: that's really it, um, Maurice. All right. What happened (laughs) with a lot of these properties is that um, as banks began to foreclose, the homeowners panicked and they thought, oh, that first notice of foreclosure means the bank owns it already and and they just left town, sadly, (laughs) way before they'd be legally required to ever leave. Um, So, Or others just felt like, oh... I there's just no way I can dig myself out and get back on track with this mortgage.
0: Well for both of you I guess. Um and so what is that yeah, what does that look like? The impact of that type mm-hmm. of uh bleeding of foreclosures across the community and the places where we're working, what is the what does that impact look like? Helene,
1: you, you continue here and I'll jump in behind you.
2: Okay, what it um what it looks like in New York State where the um stabilization funds work is concentrated is that we have a lot of properties, a lot of homes, one to four-family houses, that aren't being maintained by anybody. That they just sit, and through the some of those tough uh, winters upstate, just deteriorate year after year. And yet, there's no way for um, local governments to really do anything with them. They can't really be repurposed to become homes for for new families um, because of all the legal entanglement.
1: And And their impact is not isolated, right? They're, uh, so though the value of those properties are declining, but its decline is is also having an adverse impact on the value of the properties in the entire neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, vacant properties, residential or commercial, invite bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you also have, in addition to uh, declines in monetary values, look, you get people setting up shop in these places sometimes and they're not doing stuff that's healthy for the community. I'll just put it that way. So their impact cannot be isolated uh, to just the properties themselves. They are nuisances and bad things for the entire communities within which these properties uh, are located.
0: So, Helene, in New York, I know at the, the peak of the crisis we were talking about over 100,000 foreclosed properties, not to mention even other vacant properties in New York State. And you, working with other partners, started a program to address some of this issue. So could you talk to us a little bit about what the program is, what interventions it took to actually get it off the
2: ground? Um, We have this great, great uh, partnership with the New York Attorney General's Office. Um, The New York Attorney General settled a number of um, actions with uh, banks and servicers around um, certain behaviors during the foreclosure crisis. And those funds, um, some of them have been awarded to LISC by banks to uh, work on these zombie issues. And so the AG's office and LISC have had a very close partnership um, in on this zombie initiative in particular. We've worked together from soup to nuts to plan the initiative to uh, figure out how these funds could best be deployed. And the outcome of that has been 76 grants to municipalities all over New York State cities, towns, and villages to start figuring out what to do with their zombies and vacant properties. And uh, that's taken a number of forms. Because of tight budgets and cuts in code enforcement positions over the years, um, many municipalities didn't have a good handle on how many vacants are actually within their jurisdiction. So, some of the funding has gone to inventorying the properties, assessing what their condition is, and this combined with a new law that was passed in New York in 2016, which we affectionately call the zombie law, now required banks and services to prop to maintain properties on which they have a lien uh, during the foreclosure crisis if the property is vacant. So now the new obligation... Um, for banks and services to step up to the plate and take care of these properties until the foreclosure is complete. I know equitable
0: development is something Liz talks a lot about. How did that get incorporated into the zombie program?
2: Well, equity has been an important value to Liz from day one, and um, many of the communities that were hardest hit by the foreclosure crisis are low-income communities of color and they've gone through um, decades and decades of disinvestment, and so LISC has a real commitment to working with communities that have um, have lost the opportunities that Maurice was talking about earlier. That um, they've just been neglected for for so long, um, and. Um, What's made this really, really obvious is that uh, the 1938 U.S. government redlining maps are on the Internet now, mm-hmm. which shows where neighborhoods were redlined and no investment took place. And the sad truth is that um, those maps closely align with the current maps of neighborhood disinvestment and economic distress. So you can't turn around 80 years of disinvestment overnight but we have to, um, as a country and as a community, uh, thoughtfully and systematically take those steps to help rebuild these communities. Um, so pushing back a little bit employment. there,
0: because uh, um, yeah. I know, you know, like every program, we have to prioritize. We're in a world of limited resources. And so how do we make the decision? And this is really for you and Maurice. Um, so some communities, like you're saying, a vacant Properties could become vacant for a number of reasons, sometimes because of zombie, caught up in the foreclosure uh, process, but then also because people are leaving communities. People don't have job prospects, and so they're not wanting to stay there. And so how does why does it make sense to continue to invest in places that are going through all these other types of change mm. as well?
1: Yeah, I, um, so I think if you're going to uh, truly be concerned about – us growing in an equitable fashion you have to uh, it's not an either or proposition right there are people living in vulnerable communities right now who want to stay in their communities who have familial relationships and other loved ones in their communities who have institutions that they're loyal to who deserve for us to make investments to help that community become a greater community of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And um, that is something that we, LISC, are committed to. In addition to that, though, we're also committed to helping people invest in themselves that in a way that whether it's their financial uh, well-being, their wealth, their um, job skills, and their ability to uh, acquire uh, a greater uh, job uh, wages, etc. cetera, uh, we are also committed to investing in them in a way that might lead to them choosing to go to another community, right? Mm-hmm. Both are part and parcel of what we aspire to do. And when people uh, suggest that, well, what you really ought to be doing is simply trying to help people get out of vulnerable neighborhoods, uh, the bottom line is we reject that. And people who say that uh, are looking at neighborhoods through a lens that is not complete. Every Mm -hmm. neighborhood we work in, given all of their vulnerabilities, have incredible assets, the biggest of which are the people. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to have a chance to transform any of these neighborhoods, we got to stick and be faithful to the people. And so that's what my answer is to people who say, you know, you ought to be spending, uh, if you got one buck, you ought to be spending that buck helping people get out of neighborhoods as opposed to investing in neighborhoods that are already tough. Um, I think that that is, a, that is a failure of sight, not of the work that we're doing.
0: Well, thanks. I think we're going to have to end it there. Um, obviously, a very rich discussion. Helene, I know there's a lot more to be said about the zombie program specifically, and you recently released a white paper that we are, should also circulate so you yes. can learn good more job, about Helene. that. good um, job, But thank you both for joining us. And, again, a lot to say here. And, and Helene, congratulations on pulling off a fantastic program.
1: Thanks. Okay, thanks so much. Take care. All right, stay well.